in 775, a major uprising against the ruling regime of the Tang dynasty broke out in China. In order to fight rebels, many troops stationed in northwest China were redeployed to the central region. This led to a lack of military protection of Dunhuang. Hi, welcome to Why We Love Dunhuang. I'm Graham Stevens, your guide to the Dunhuang Mogao Caves, the renowned World Heritage Site in China. Amid a siege by rebel forces, the chief commander of Dunhuang at the time mulled over fleeing. Just when this idea began to pop up in his mind, he received an invitation to visit a newly built cave. The cave was shaped like a huge coffin. Inside the cave rested the stone-bodied, clay-stuccoed reclining figure of Sakyamuni, which was more than 14 meters long. It was a typical Nirvana cave. Nirvana is a Buddhist term referring to the state of eternal peace after breaking the cycle of rebirth. It has to be achieved through many years of Buddhist practice. The paintings on the walls of this cave were describing the moment when the founder of Buddhism, Sakyamuni, reached his Nirvana. The sponsor of the cave was a highly prestigious man named Li Dabin. Li was a local aristocrat. He built the cave in memory of his ancestors, who had served in the military for many years. The completion of the cave was a big event in Dunhuang. It injected a dose of optimism into the local civilians and soldiers, reinforcing their determination to defend the city against the rebels. The chief commander, however, didn't have the same determination. And despite Li Dabin's efforts at persuading him to stay, he decided to flee anyway. On the eve of his departure, he was captured and killed by his subordinates. The defense of Dunhuang continued for more than 10 years, after which it had to be abandoned due to a lack of military reinforcement and food supplies. The cave that Li Dabin built is now numbered 148 in the catalogue of the Mogao Caves, and Li's name can still be found on the tablet in Cave 148. There are more than 400 caves existing in Dunhuang today. Each of them records a certain segment of Chinese history from a macro or micro perspective. In 366, North China was witnessing civil wars and political chaos. As people wished to enjoy a peaceful life at the time, Buddhism began to rise quickly. There were many Buddhist monks traveling to and from China along the ancient Silk Road at the time. In our first episode, we've talked about how in 366, a Chinese monk named Lei Tsun built the first cave in Dunhuang after receiving what he believed was a call from Buddha. Soon after, another monk named Fa Liang built another cave. This was how the building of the Mogao Caves first began. In the following several decades, Many craftsmen, bureaucrats and monks migrated from northwest and central China to Dunhuang to escape the turmoil of wars. 
these people carried out a massive amount of cave construction in Dunhuang, and that gave the styling of the Mogao Caves a notable flavor of China's central region. Gradually, the Mogao Caves turned into a place to seek blessing and commemorate people's good deeds and virtue. In 557, there was another change of the ruling regimes in northern China. Amid political turbulence, more people chose to practice Buddhism, seeking inner peace. There was a time when Buddhist monks accounted for some 10% of the entire population in northern China, and the government began to perceive Buddhism as a potential political threat. In 574, an order was issued to crack down on Buddhism. Nationwide, many Buddhist statues and constructions were destroyed. Fortunately, the Magao Caves survived that campaign of demolition because Dunhuang, thanks to its geographic location, was beyond the reach of the central government. Fifteen years later, China entered the Sui dynasty. The founding emperor of the Sui dynasty was born and raised in a Buddhist nun's temple. He had a special mental attachment to Buddhism. He decided to restore the temples demolished during the previous dynasty. In the meantime, he ordered a large-scale construction of stupas in Dunhuang. Although the Sui dynasty lasted only less than four decades, economic and social development of northwest China was relatively stable, and nearly a hundred caves were built in Dunhuang during this period. Then, as China entered the Tang dynasty, the Mogao caves ushered in its golden period. Nearly 50% of the existing caves today were built during the Tang dynasty, which lasted nearly 300 years. So, how to build a cave? From some historical records discovered in Dunhuang, we know that building a cave began with deciding on its location on a precipice. The construction needs to go through procedures such as preparing the cliff face, digging the cave, drawing murals, modeling statues of Buddha, and decorating the eaves of the cave. Various craftsmen, including masons, painters, sculptors and carpenters, are all involved in the process. The construction time of a cave can range from a year to several years. For example, a large cave with a height of 10 metres would take four to five years to be completed. After the location, type and size of cave are decided, the next step is digging a special channel, which also serves as the entrance of the cave. The channel will be expanded as it goes further, and rocks and sand generated from digging are discharged through the channel. The construction of a cave usually follows the top-down direction. The shaping of the dome is completed first. This top-down construction method can avoid landslides and ensure construction safety. It's also labour-saving and facilitates the easy delivery of sand and gravel from top to bottom. When the outline of the whole cave is finished, internal decorations then follow. The artists would come in at this stage. To a large extent, the Mogao Caves is a giant art gallery and a global place of pilgrimage for artists today. It has preserved some 45,000 square meters of murals painted between the 4th and the 14th century. 
Murals, however, differ from other forms of paintings in that painters rarely leave their names on murals. But there is one exception among the painters of the Mogao Caves. There is one artist we know by name, Deng Pao Te, a leading Chinese painter in the 10th century, contributed to the Dunhuang paintings, and his name was found in Dunhuang's documents. Deng was a member of the Royal Painting Academy and had a very good relationship with the local rulers. He was good at figure painting and lived a wealthy life. Unfortunately, most painters in ancient China's mural industry had a completely different life. As a matter of fact, they were riddled with poverty and diseases. Drawing murals in Dunhuang represented a rather lonely and painstaking process. Although many painters would have become well-known artists if they had been given the right opportunity, their names were lost in Dunhuang. It was the humble, hard work of these unsung craftsmen that created Dunhuang's historical and present-day glory. The construction of the Mogao Cave started in 366 and continued for over 1,000 years until the 14th century and China's Yuan dynasty. By then, the rise of maritime trading routes had made the ancient inland Silk Road obsolete. The glory days of Dunhuang as a major trading post on the Silk Road between Central and East Asia had gradually faded away. By the late 19th century, the Dunhuang Mogao Caves had already been deserted for a long time. There were still three monasteries left at Mogao, called Upper, Middle and Lower Temples. Only the first two were occupied by Tibetan Buddhist monks. Then. Somewhere between 1887 and 1899, a Taoist abbot arrived in Dunhuang. An unexpected discovery by this Taoist abbot brought Dunhuang a global fame. At the same time, an unprecedented period of exploration was waiting for it as well. We'll tell you more in our next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Sanliang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you next time.